Mike Young here, stories that need to be told. Looking forward to volume two, brought to you by Mack Weldon Clothing. You're going to love Mack Weldon. Believe me when I tell you. Smart designs, incredible fabrics, simple when it comes to shopping. And let me tell you something. I picked up some Mack Weldon. It was one of the easiest things I've ever done. Products showed up at my door within two days, and they are comfortable. Not only that, Mack Weldon's also antimicrobial. You try saying antimicrobial three times fast. It really means they don't stink. That's right. You wear Mack Weldon, you smell fresh. You look fresh. You feel fresh because they're comfortable. That's right. And if they're not comfortable and you don't like your first pair, guess what you could do? Keep it, and they're still going to refund you. They don't even ask questions at Mack Weldon. What kind of company does not ask questions? The kind of company you want clothes from. So they've got underwear, they got socks, they got shirts, they got hoodies, and it's all good. You can work out in this stuff, you can drive in this stuff, you can sleep in this stuff, you can snore in this stuff. Mac Weldon, get your gear. Promo code YOUNG. Today's guest on Volume 2, Episode 1, my good friend Kevin Connolly. 36 years in the business. That's right. This kid was first on a box for punching bags when he was 7. And now you know him from Entourage, and I've known him for years, and he's a great dude, and we look forward to talking to him. So enjoy stories that need to be told. Today, Mike Young and Kevin Connolly. Take me back when I was a kid, never had to worry about what I did. Boom, we're rolling. Mike Young, stories that need to be told. Guest today, first guest of the new season, first guest ever, Kevin Connolly. Am I the first guest ever? Yo, you're the you're my, my first, first guest. sit-in guest. I like it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We talked like about it. It. you knew I had this a month ago. Right. You're like young. Get your feet right. Get rolling. Yeah, do your thing. I want you to get you get get used to bringing us in and bringing us out for for breaks and whatnot. But we're ready to go. Connolly did say to me, "Listen, you can't just depend on your friends, bro. Just it's don't. True. You can't just depend on your friends. Just <laughs> get get it going. Find your voice. Then I'll come in. So many episodes with your friends, and then you're gonna have to start figuring out your your niche." So what's your niche? Stories that need to be told. Yeah, I'm telling stories. Just real L.A. stories, my stories. You know what I mean? I've been here for almost 20 years. I've known you for 19 years and two months. Is it okay if I wear my sunglasses the entire interview? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, when you you, you have a friend that you've known for so long and you know how uncool he actually is and rolls in just like Clint Eastwood in 1977 with dope sunglasses. Having shaved in five days and dope sunglasses. Great look. I think you're better looking than people think. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. That's a good uh, look. I have a face for radio. Or uh, podcasts. Yeah, those are like those are brown. They're like go, your hair is brown today. What did you do? It's the lights, the top light. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. What? Um. So, just to recap for other people that maybe haven't, this is their first time tuning in. What stories have you covered? Oh, I've covered stories that you know about. I've covered everything from the punch how I, heard thrown, thrown uh, heard around the world. I've sure. covered the punch heard around the world. Right. Your name was dropped in the story. And because I was there. If anybody has any questions. Feel free to email me at uh, stories that need to be told yeah. at mikeyoung.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yo, but you know, I, I mean, while we're on the subject, the funny thing about that is, Kev, and we've gone over this a thousand times, but what I never ever find out is from your perspective. I was like, there. I what mean, I was were you standing feeling? there. Yeah, well, it was one of those things because it's like it had sort of happened in slow motion. So I kind of, and I swear to God, this might sound dramatic, but it's true. When I saw you about to get into the original thing, I, I kind of reached, I actually reached for you. 
I did. Did you? I tried to like grab. I tried to like because I saw what was happening. I I knew who he was, and I I knew the whole thing. I was just I was literally two seconds too late. And Two I, seconds too late. You were you, Kevin was so involved that as I left the building, the last voice I heard was, "Young, you fucked up. Go to, go to Detroit for three weeks. Don't come back. I'll let you know when it's safe." I said, "Young, get on a plane, go home, ride a pilot. I'll call you when things cool down here." Meanwhile, I'm like, "Yo, Kev, it's it's midnight. I can't catch a plane right now." Well, then get there and be on the six forty two. I was literally checking Southwest you Airlines. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. That was bad. but by the way that. That was a minute ago. When was that? That was 12, 10 years ago. It's been 12 years. It's been 10 years. Nine, 10 years. Lots happened since then. A lot has happened. happened Life's turned around for the positive. Yeah, for sure. That's that's old news. That's totally definitely worth talking about on the podcast. If your your podcast is titled "Stories That Need to Be Told," that's definitely one of them. Totally. And I got that story off my chest, and it came out. And the only reason I even brought it up is because you were part of that story. Only because there's certain people that like pop up in your life at crazy times. Yeah. And you've been in my life a couple times. I was. I was. I was there. I was also there when the cops showed up. Remember that? Yeah. What were we doing? Reading. We were like reading scripts. Yeah, we, were. we were working on a pilot. I'm like, I got a great idea for you. Knock, knock. Who is it? Yeah. No, well, that's 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 old news. Moving moving forward. Fast forward. Moving uh, past that. Moving way past that to shit. That was pre entourage. That was pre entourage. You know what's funny, Kev? And I always go back to this, and it's it's like everybody's got their own little version of who made Entourage happen right. with you, right. because I've got my own little thought, and then like Chuck had his, and everybody. Yeah, and by the way, they're all true to a certain to a certain extent, but but just to give you the kind of the and I'm, by the way, I've told this story before, but so this is not like a new story, but it, it's definitely new you know, to my guys, and and also too, it's appropriate for you because you know you really were. So uh, Doug Allen, who's the creator of and uh, writer of Entourage and producer, Doug was really the guy that kind of made the world go round. <clears throat> Doug and Mike, you guys would go way back, right? Through way back, comedic channels or whatever. Right? Yep. You guys, however, you guys know basketball and comedy, right? So I had heard about uh, you know Entourage and 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 you know the, the you know obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. So as we sit here. And I'm wearing like weird sunglasses. Starred <laughs> out, literally <laughs> smoking an electronic cigarette. Wearing Nineteen like million later, dark sunglasses. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna take them off because they're actually distracting at this point. Um, you know, Mike, you'd called a couple times, and you were like, "Listen." You really were trying to stay out of it. I guess you could say you said, "Look, my boy, whatever." If you're if you're interested, you kind of put it out there. He kept bringing you up, and yeah. then it came down to, yo. I need you to do me a favor, bro. I need you to sit down with my friend Doug Helen and tell him to go fuck him. So tell him something. <laughs> tell him something. Tell him something. He's hounding me. He's hounding me. He doesn't so even know him. you. So then you set up a, a sushi Roku dinner. Yeah. Remember that? We went to dinner at Sushi Roku, and that was the first time that I met Doug. And it ended up working out and whatever. It is what it is, but there's lots of different stories. But also, too, Wahlberg did call me in. Yeah. I sat down with Wahlberg, but, uh, you know, and, and Chuck was instrumental. Our buddy Chuck Pacheco was instrumental in the Wahlberg thing, but uh, it was a group It was a group effort. It yeah, was a group it was. effort. It was. But also, too, at the time, it was a pilot, and, you know, it's easy to say now, like, well, you're an idiot. I'm, I'm a lot of things, but at the time, you know, whatever, who, those pilots, I've done a million pilots in my life. None of them have equaled, you know, what Entourage has done for me, so I'm glad it worked out, but everything happens for a reason, so. Of course. 
I just thought it was ironic that at that moment in your life, you were saying things like, I'm retired, I'm done, I'm finished, all I'm doing is directing, bro. I don't want to act, I don't read for anybody, Yeah. all right? And I don't. And well, you didn't. They and you, do, were young, they, they, and you were young. They run you, you know, just in general. I mean, for every actor, will tell you, I mean, it's the same way. I mean, it hasn't changed, you know, over the course of 12 years. The jobs you want to get, you have to go in and be stripped of your dignity and everything. It's just, you just go in and you get beat up on the on the off chance that you are the guy for the role. So, you know, that one worked out, but I, I find myself right back there. I'm retired again. You, I'm you, declaring it. Are you, re- <laughs> no. are you re-retiring? I'm re- I may be re-retiring. No, no. <laughs> you just, you know, you, you do this long enough and you just develop other interests and you're, you're the same way. It's like, yeah, acting, you, you know, I'll always be an actor, but, you know, I do. I do enjoy directing and 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 you know, creating and producing and whatever, whatever I can do. So, um, acting is a different, a different animal. And I just, uh, you know, at 41 years old, I just have different interests than I did when I was 15. Yeah. When I was 15. I just wanted to be on TV. Now I want to own part of it. You know? Right. Right. Be you, more creative. So. You've got global mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just changes as you get a little older. Right. So. But it's a tough racket. You know, I mean, we're, we're both doing it. You got to diversify. You got to divert, but you were obviously smart because you were directing television back when you were on television, but way before. Unhappily ever after. Yeah. How I, did you know? Like, what was your first directing gig like on TV? You were young as hell. Yeah, but you know what? It's the, it's the same thing. You know, you do, you know, four years into a TV show, it, it just becomes second nature. What you're doing becomes second nature. So as you're standing around, staring at the walls, it becomes easy. You come in, you stand on your mark, you say your same jokes that you said in three different episodes because <laughs> they do tend to recycle jokes on, uh, on some sitcoms. Um, yep. But you just start looking around like, uh, you know what? You start watching the directors and it just, there just was, uh, it was just something different for me. So I just kind of started exploring it. And a guy named Ron Levitt, who created Married with Children, really gave me my first, like, huge, I mean, you know, I was 23 years old and he was letting me direct. Yeah. I was like the regular director on Unhappily Ever After. So, you know, uh, I got to give my, my hats off to him, the late, great Ron Levitt, who uh, passed away. But, um, you, yeah, no, that was good times. That's the dude you told me hilarious stories about, right? He would go into a meeting, yeah. smoke a cigarette. Somebody would go, no they smoking. You're not He'd go, go smoke. fuck You'd yourself. Say, okay, then I quit. <laughs> By the way, I don't know where, it, where it's funny too because even in the in the late '90s, you couldn't smoke, but you kind of could. Now they would riot in the streets. I don't know what he would do. He'd be on the patch. He'd be on. He'd have seven patches on his arms. Literally. Well, yo, did he did he come from the stand up world or was he just a straight up gangster writer? That guy, you gangster like, he's writer like Bukowski. From, he was like a gangster writer from Brooklyn, and you know when he did Married with Children, which really. I mean, Change you know, the people hadn't seen anything like it. They thought, you know, they're going to come in and lock this. They thought they were going to lock him up. And then, you know, Married with Children really was Fox's first major show. Hit. Yeah, big bit. They put them on the map. In those days, they were only on one night of one night a week. Now Fox is, you know, full, you know, full time programming. But at the times it was like Married with Children. And, and these guys were doing things that they were, you know, they were the, the rights activists were lined up and everybody was up in arms about Every different, every different episode. So, yeah, he was uh, he was a trendsetter. He made about a gazillion dollars. I think he made. Yeah, he was the first person to make a gazillion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they invented gazillion. Uh, yeah, he was he, the first he, Chuck Lorre. He was the best. His name is Ron Levitt. Yeah, he was. He was like an early, an early Chuck Lo- uh, uh, Chuck Lorre. Yeah. Yo, you think there's something to that mentality when a guy finally is like, you know what, fuck everybody, that they start to become successful? It's almost like that. For him, it was organic, though. He wasn't. He didn't really feel like he was trying to say fuck you. He just really. 
didn't give a fuck. I mean, he 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 just didn't give a fuck. He would walk onto the set, and people would think that he was a homeless guy that had kind of <laughs> snuck onto the soundstage, and they would try to escort him out. You know what I mean? This guy's worth a hundred million. He's sitting, you know, smoking Marlboro Reds, and he would only drink bottled Coke. <laughs> Like old school old bottled school Coke? bottled Coke and and Marlboro Reds. I mean, granted, he you know he paid the ultimate price for it because he died a lung you know, cancer. Really, yeah, he died a, he died of lung cancer. But uh, if ever anybody went out, you know, with their with their middle finger in the air, it was uh, it was him. He was he was Bundy basically. Oh, he he was, was Al Bundy. He was Al Bundy. That was and, his. Uh, he had my back. You know, I was so young. I was twenty three. He'd be like, oh, you want to direct? All right, hang out in the booth for a little while, and and he gave me a shot right away. It was pretty cool. Were you nervous that day one directing? Or well, it's, it's weird because you're, you know, as a, you know, when you direct in those days, I love it in my day. Like, <laughs> you know, nowadays on the sitcoms, the directors direct from the floor, so right. they're they have monos on the floor. But back in the '90s, and it kind of teetered off towards in the early 2000s. But you were in a booth, and you'd have you'd be editing the show live. Basically, you'd push this camera, boom, boom, boom. You actually called out the the shots, and and that would be the camera that would popped up. So you basically edited the show live. Oh. And um, yeah, so now they do it on the floor, but this is something that was was big in the, in the '90s. But you would do it, so you know, I'd be in a scene, and then I would, you know, be acting, and then I would step out and go run into the booth for the second half of the scene and throw a headset on and and edit. It was just uh, it was extremely challenging, but it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. And and there's a there's an art, you know, a lot of times people are you know will you know stick their nose up or at sitcoms or call it a certain kind of whatever it is. I mean, you know. You know, uh, Joe, Ray right. Romano laughed all the way, <laughs> all the way to the bank. Yeah, there's a guy named Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> yeah. did pretty good with the sick guy named Chuck Lurie has a better house than you do, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's lots of money to be made, and these yeah. guys can be they can be creative, and it's just it's just a different it's just a different mentality. The the difference between life on a sitcom and then life on a on a single camera show. If you look at what they do on the Big Bang Theory compared to Homeland, right. It's not even the same. Right. It's, it's a 9 a to 5, right. It's a different thing, you know. It's just a different beast, different pages at night, you know. Those there's dramas or even the single uh, the half hour comedies, you know. They get the script and you when we did Entourage, we would do that table reading on Friday and that was the episode. Yep. You do that on a network, you the table reading goes a certain way, you wake up, you have a whole new script the next day. You know, so it's just a different a different process. But, right, you got uh, fifteen people from a network telling you what to do, and oh, yeah. with a single Insisting camera, and, you, you know, get a little camera, trust. It's a little more, you know, there's a little more. It's a little more producer uh, related. So, yo, it's yeah. funny if you look at some of the showrunners and where they came from. Even the big, even the Terrence Winters, the Matthew Weiners, they come. Some of those dudes come from sitcom backgrounds. Totally. Did you so see? They did their time. Did you ever read the book? This is a good book that I would recommend to your uh, listeners. It's called "You're Lucky You're Funny." Have you ever heard the you're yeah yeah and I haven't read it. You should. It's about you know it's about uh, a guy that wrote a book about you know Ray Romano and and that sort of '90s sitcom goldmine era where all these guys made so much money. I mean nowadays it's it's even different now. Even but in those in the mid '90s, man, if you were successful on on network television, yep, you're chilling out right now. You're playing <laughs> poker. And they were giving comedians. Oh yeah, they were yeah, giving yeah. comics deals. Oh yeah, comics deals, and then ownership. You know, what I mean, these guys, these guys. Uh, that was the right, the right time to be uh, born if you were a stand-up comedian. Yo, who wrote that? You're lucky. You're funny. I just saw that somewhere. Do you know who you wrote know what? that? I have the book at my house. I'll, I'll give you the book. Right. I, I don't. I'm drawing a blank at the at the yeah. moment, but it's one of the one of those guys. He's right. from. He's actually from Long Island. He went to Hofstra. This guy. But uh, I believe he was one of the showrunners of Everybody Loves Raymond. So. I wonder if he's in the high school hall of fame. By the way, yeah, I don't know. It's the first year. It's the inaugural class. I mean, there's a lot of people in the high school hall of fame, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Connolly, high school hall of fame. May 6th. 
inaugural did, class. <laughs> did you ever find out who voted against you in the five uh, five out of six? I didn't know. Six out of seven. Six out of seven. Yeah. I, I will. I know who it is. I'm not going to announce it here today, but I know who it is. Um, yeah, no, I was telling telling Mike that my uh, my high school decided for after, yeah, I, mean, I think they've, the high school's been there since the early 20s. They're doing an inaugural Hall of Fame, and uh, and I'm going to go. So I got in. But but I, I found out through, you know, back channels that I was not a unanimous vote. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Look, no, but I know you are. Opinion. Everybody's entitled to their opinion, and if you want to look, I we all know everybody knows I wasn't the grades weren't my strong point, but I was a pretty good member of the community, and I just would like to know reasoning. <laughs> you know, I, I I give back to the community. I still do my charity there every Christmas for you know ten years, and uh, you know, and and apparently it was uh, it was just it wasn't just a no. Oh, was there like was a, a battle. Wrong. She Petition? was adamant, and it was it was this woman was adamant that I'm not that I not get in, which is crazy. Interesting, interesting. Crazy. So we have, but we have a couple of unanimous uh, Mike Murphy, yeah. who is from uh, the guy that the Lord of Ivory is a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. So he's really our high school's pride and joy. He's like our guy. I mean, they named the whole town after him. You know, he was a couple years younger than me, but I met him a few times, <clears throat> and. Um, so he obviously got the United. He is a, he's you know, 100% he's in. A, yeah. Some he woman. Went seven, he went seven. He went seven. But some lady decides that I'm not Hall of Fame material. And, I, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I just would like to hear if it's personal. I, I don't know if it's, per, is it personal? It's got to be personal. Or, or what kind of a message are we sending with somebody that could be as terrible a student as you and then we put you in the Hall of Fame. By the way, that would be fine. That'd be fine. That I could live with. But, uh, you know, if I snubbed her in like the local bar. That. Dublin Deck. If I snubbed her at Dublin Deck, I mean, how, <laughs> how, how could the, I don't know. I just don't think yeah, personal. She either, You're talking about my legacy here. You know? she, <laughs> she, she either came up, tried to talk to you at the bar. You didn't know who she was. You how could I know back. who she was? She's in, she's a, a board of ed. Uh, how do I know who she, she is? She took offense, and she's one of she's just stuck. She's Maybe just, she, she can't shouldn't get drink out of so it. much. Maybe she shouldn't Stop drink so. drinking, lady. <laughs> Vote for Connolly. You know what he's done in that community. Come on. Are you kidding? Yeah, so uh, Marcus Stroman is another guy. He went to Duke. And now he's like, he was a first-round draft pick. He plays for the Blue Jays. All right, I get it. He's unanimous because he was also a student. Yeah, he but so what? Yeah. Why do you put an athlete over an actor? Well, I don't put an athlete over what you've well, done. Well, he clearly didn't snub her at Dublin Deck or Dublin, whatever it was. He the, was unanimous 100%? I don't know, but I'm assuming because he was, you know, he was a student as well. And, um, it's and, personal. And one of, by the way, our, uh, another woman, There's there was nine of us that are in the, the first class. I... Clearly, barely squeaked in, but um, we have uh, another woman from our, our high school. Her name, her in high school, her name was Denise Jefferson. She she got married at something else, but she is the first African American uh, appointed by Obama to the Supreme Court bench. She put Whitey Bulger away. Unanimous. Right. Unanimous. <laughs> One, I voted for her. Unanimous. I don't know where your school is. She's unanimous. I voted for her. I can live with her being unanimous. Mike Murphy. There's other people, but I, I'm wondering what some of the guys that came in like just under the wire. Yeah, I wonder who they were. Because by the way, it just has to be four three. State so swimming I champion. <laughs> I definitely. I got in comfortably. It's not like I got in. If I got in four three, I might not go. No, I might you don't not go show on four three. I don't go on four three. No. So uh, six one, but yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see how some of the other votes played out as well. Damn, who didn't get in? Drd, you know a few guys you, you've seen around town. You know the, you know the other thing guys. too. It's like any, it's like any other, you know, uh, sort of thing where there are a few people that are, in my opinion, first ballot, unanimous seven zero votes. 
that didn't get in because maybe they split town right after high school. Right. You kind of have to still be somewhat connected to the community in some some capacity. So there are a few people that I think just left and never looked back. Yep. So they they don't know they're not in. (laughs) You know, I got to say this about Kevin because out here in Hollywood, there's so many dudes that they do their job, they get on a show, they blow up, they make money, they, they don't talk to their hometown again, they, they leave town, they turn their back, they got a new personality, they think they got fucking swagger. Connolly Estate is one of the most grounded dudes I know. How do you stay grounded, Kev? I'm serious because I know you well, and you will, you will fucking go make a sitcom, go make a few million, and then fight you in an Irish bar. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, uh, you're just a grown dude, man. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's what happened. You might have beat I, up a boyfriend. I, I might have forgotten. No. Seriously. No, um, listen, I, I think a lot of people, and I think, Mike, I think you had a good time in high school, too, didn't you? Loved high school. Right. I'm uh, wearing my baseball hat from high school. You're wearing your high school hat. my high school baseball hat. Uh, you know, I think for whatever reason, and I don't know why, because uh, I definitely was had part of my high school thing where I was going through that kind of awkward phase. So I don't know that I felt great necessarily, but honestly, I wouldn't do redo a day of high school. You would not redo I a day? I would not redo a day. I, 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 I loved it. I didn't, a lot of people are traumatized by high school. I loved it. Yeah. I, I had a great time in high school. Of course you easy. did. It was easy. Just like, maybe that's what I You were nine Burger King commercials in. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, had a, you had two houses at 12 years old. You were going into high school with a mortgage. I just didn't hate high school. Like some people are like, oh, Talk to them about high school, and they like roll their eyes. It's like, yeah, I was at my reunions. I, I go back to my school. I don't know. I just, I think it comes down to what kind of a time you had in high school. Absolutely. And some people had a hard time in high school. You know, I had a harder time probably after high school. You know, nineteen twenty was probably harder for me than seventeen eighteen. So. Yeah, when you went to not college. <laughs> yeah, I went to college at Jerry's Deli in Studio City. <laughs> Graduated, <laughs> right. full onion ring platter. <laughs> exactly. How many Everybody onion else rings like, did oh, you I'm eat? in college. I'm like, oh yeah, we made it to the semifinals in NBA jams this week <laughs> in, the, in the, uh, Jerry's Deli tournament. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, so. Yo, was there ever a moment? Because you were, look, people, they don't know. Like, you were, what were you, just a super cute kid that talked a lot that when you were popping up in commercials? I mean, you're not from a Hollywood family. Yeah, You know no, what I mean? I, you uh, are an Irish kid from Long Island. By the way, in March, it'll be 36 years. In the business? In the business. Wow. 36 yeah, years. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. But but also, too, like, people, people will ask me, like, how did you get in the business? I, I didn't get into the business. The business sort of got into me. I, I it was... I never, we never intended. It wasn't like, hey, mom, you know, uh, Take me to I, an audition. Ripped, I ripped it at the, uh, you know, Little Orphan Annie audition today. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I was at a, my uncle's wedding and, and the photographer, like, had approached my mom. So I would do, for a while, I did, like, print ads. Like, you'd go into Models. Do they have Models in Detroit, Mike? I know the daughter. I, I love her. <laughs> Mike dated Missy, Missy Model. I've tried multiple <laughs> times. She fucking won't give me the time of day. Every time I see her. And you know me, sporting goods, that's yeah, all me. Yeah, yeah. So, but sporting goods, we had, Models was big on the I know. So, we, we, I would do these these ads, and it was weird, because I would just go in and take these pictures, and then I would go into Models, and there I'd be, like, you know, like, on my knees. Remember those little punching bags? Of course. You know, like, the, that the, pop the, back up? The blow-up punching bags that you hit. Are you kidding? You couldn't hit that now, bro. You hit that now. You deflate I've deflated everything. <laughs> right. So I, uh, I would like pop up on these boxes, and I was young, but I remember getting cert- a certain rush out of you know walking through the. I mean, my buddies would be on our bikes, and we'd be in like, oh my, and I would, there it was, you know. So, and then I, and then they were like, hey, uh, it's so funny. My mom <clears throat> would <laughs> looked up a manager in the phone book, okay. In the in the yellow pages. In those days, it was actual hard copy yellow pages. Yeah, she's flipping through. I know the smell of those. My mom looked up talent agencies 
in in the, in the yellow pages. And th- this woman was my manager till like ninety five or ninety six. Yeah, yeah. So she. So yeah, I mean, I, by the way, uh, I would recommend not looking up your representation of the yellow pages. <laughs> That'd be if I had any Hi, advice. Hi, Miss Connolly. I know <laughs> yeah. it's gonna sound weird, but if you walk through Modell's, my son is on a punching bag box, <laughs> and he really enjoys it. By and the I way, think that's he could do something. That's really what it was. And then there would be, it would be like, hey, uh, so you know, there's this commercial audition, and we were like, oh, okay, well, all right, we'll try it out. And then you went, and then they go like, all right, you got a call back, and it's like, well, what's that? It's like, well, they whittle it down, and now you go back in, and then you're like, okay. And then they're like, all right, you're on hold. They're like, well, what does that mean? You know, so you, we literally just kind of lo- learned uh, as it was happening and rolled with the punches. And then, I don't know. It was just, it's just, what, I, it's just what I did. Some kids went to, you know, at, after school, people went to practice. I would jump in the car and go to auditions. And this is what I did as a kid. Yo, was there ever a moment you were taking acting classes? Because I've never known you to take classes, but did you ever for a minute? Yeah, I did. I did when I was younger, but I also, I had, uh, by the way, not that it's any better now, but my Long Island accent used to be, I mean, honestly, you needed, you would need subtitles to understand what I was saying. My accent was horrendous. I would walk into auditions and I would see their faces light up when they saw me. They would like get on the end of their seats and then I would open my mouth and they would just like collapse. (laughs) Look how cute he is. Yo, I think we'd be perfect for this. What do you think? It's a punching bag for everybody. Uh, thank much. you, Kevin. Um, tell your mom. We'll call her later. I remember I did a, I know, a ride a hash browns commercial one time, and uh, I had to, I had to ride a, you know, I had to ride a horse. And this is I, we talked about this, something along these lines. Like you know, people will say whatever. You know, when you go in for an audition, they they put, they put the gun to your head. You'll say whatever. You I know? can do like, everything. I can like, figure skate. I walk in, they're like, can you ride a horse? I'm like, yeah, of course. And they're like, how well? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not running the derby this weekend. I said that. I was like, really nine or ten. I could see them sort of start. I could see, like, the guys in the back, you know. Any gambling reference, you know, you can, you can sure. see who the guys. So everybody's sort of laughing. And, and then I ended up getting the commercial. And then I had to bullshit my way through riding a horse, which is another just lie altogether but i got through that part of it and then i had to lay down the voiceover and it's like yeah you know uh well write a hash brown (laughs) every time after riding my horse (laughs) i just can't wait to devour my write a hash brown you know you know in those days they would give you a heads up if it were a big enough commercial they'd say hey it's gonna air you know, at, uh, during Dynasty. <laughs> my, gonna, one of my favorite shows. I was 17 years old watching that it's show. It's going to air in the second hour of Dynasty on Thursday night, literally. So you, you gather around, and in those days you'd throw in the VHS tape. You had to tape the whole show. You know what I mean? Case, I love In that. case you missed it. And my whole family were all sitting around watching it, and then it comes on, and it's somebody else's voice altogether. They yanked my voice <laughs> out. Some some kid from the Midwest was like... When I go riding, I love it. I have so much fun when I eat all right. All right, a hash brown. They yeah, took you like out. They, they yanked my voice out, and uh, that's you know, so I was funny. Tra- I was, actually, I was traumatized because I thought I did something wrong. But then I, and then I would go, and my voice was just so. So really, I, I, and I also had as a kid, I had a lazy eye, like Cindy Brady. You did, yeah. Jesus, yeah, it was a mess. I had a horrible <laughs> long disaster, and I was like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, it's a Matchbox car wash. <laughs> it's a Matchbox car wash commercial. <laughs> Uh, so thank I you, went Kev. To, I we went love therapy. your voice. I went to therapy for years, and and one day it just it stopped. I always thought it was lame going in. I'm like, what is this? They'd yank me out of class in school and like take me to the speech therapist, and but it worked. Yeah, you and have then, no accent and yeah, no. Yeah, I can control it. I mean, if I need to, you know, if I get lazy and I just am talking, I'll have a Long Island accent. But if I'm aware of it, I can I can turn it off pretty quick. But yeah, I would go to speech therapy. That is so funny. And what year did you make your move to LA? Ninety two. Ninety two. 
Yeah, and for me, it worked out that when I graduated high school in 92 and I did a pilot in March of 92, it's where I met Toby. Toby McGuire and I did a show called Great Scott. Oh, and, I remember uh, that show actually for a minute. Yeah, like two episodes. Yeah, literally, like it came for a second. <laughs> it was a hot minute. It was a hot minute. Uh, no, so and then um, so I moved out. So for me, it just worked out. The show got picked up for thirteen episodes. So kind of when the timing of it couldn't really have been any better because when all my friends are going off to college, I just moved out to California. Boom! So you got yeah. paid for thirteen. Got 13, aired two. Aired two. Shuttle got in. canceled. Show got canceled, and then I just then then the rat race started. You know, then you're grinding because then you're then you've already made the choice not to go to college. So then you're just you know at Jerry's Deli with a bunch of other unemployed you and Toby and, you, yeah. you and Toby in sweatpants. No joke, yeah, we just eating soup. Yeah, it was like dollar dollar bagels were a dollar five, and we'd pitch in for mozzarella sticks on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yo, that's so funny. <laughs> you say Toby. You, I remember you told me a long time, like when I first got my first development deal at Warner Brothers. I remember you exact saying exactly this to me. You're like, they don't just give those away young. You should get into an acting class and figure this out. <laughs> yeah. You literally told me, so I did. So because right. Toby somehow he was like part of the whole deal, and he had like an acting teacher coming up to his house. Coming to his house. Yeah. Maybe one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done in my life. We're just doing repetition exercises. Yeah. Well, that's a big. That's a big. Uh, a well, big, yeah. big exercise in the acting Huge. world. Huge exercise. Maybe explain to the to the to the listeners what the repetition, the idea behind repetition. The idea behind it is to get you comfortable with your scene partner, to learn to listen and react. It's and about so listening. The it's way they listening. do this is, I'm literally sitting up at Toby's house. There's an acting coach in one chair. I'm sitting across. Should from, we do it? <laughs> if we were on video, we would. I'm sitting across from Toby, fucking beaming blue eyes and sweatpants, looking like he's just been up for 71 hours straight, and we're holding hands, looking into each other's eyes, and he's going, your hair looks good today. Your hair what? looks good today. My hair looks good today? Your hair looks great today. I like that you said that. I like your hair looks good today. Yeah. You, you just go back and forth. Now, by the way, that was terrible... Toby would not have been proud of that uh, little exchange you and I just had. No, no, no. We, 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 we rushed through it. <laughs> we rushed through it. But yeah, the idea is that you just are repeating it back and you're listening. It's a, it's a, it's a listening exercise, which yeah. is a big part of acting. Coming out of Detroit, I didn't know what the fuck that w- right. what, what, what I was doing. Right, right. You know what I mean? I'm a natural listener. Right. I naturally listen. <laughs> yeah. But I don't naturally kind of. repeat. Your shirt looks great. My shirt looks great. Your shirt looks great. <laughs> but I got to tell you, in all honesty, though, that shit did actually help. No. That it, it, actually did help. You know, look, and I think about acting class, it's it's no different than uh, the gym. You know, like... Uh, 100%. You know, if the, the harder you go and the more you go, but every little bit helps, and it, it certainly doesn't hurt, that's for sure. You know, you, I noticed, it's funny, man, because the first, you know, my first directing gig, obviously, it was my first time ever auditioning actors. Right. So you've done this a bunch of times. It's It was kind of painful for me to have to watch people go through this whole thing. But then you see every now and then somebody walks in and they just blow it away. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's some things, that moment. Some things just, sometimes it just clicks on all cylinders for people and you go, whoa. Yeah, you this know, person like, just it. Yeah. got it. And then, but you know, that person uh, earlier that day went into another room and and you know, stunk up the place. You know what I mean. So a lot of it is is timing and and being prepared. And then eventually, you know, you know something uh, something clicks. You know, a lot, a lot of it's a numbers game too. Right. I always tell my girlfriend that she's like, you know, goes on lots of auditions and she comes out and she's like, oh, I killed that, I killed that. I'm like, you like, and then well, <clears throat> yeah, you just got to continue to kill it and then eventually you get something. But it's kind of like killing it at one. It's kind of like an at bat in baseball. 
Absolutely. Do you think there's Anything like a can happen in an at bat? You, you know, if you come up against somebody that just is throwing harder or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different variables to getting an acting job. You know, that's why I always look at people like who form their own little camps. Like Apatow's right. got his little camp. Will's got his camp. People have their camps, and it's what like those guys have done is is change game changer. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Dane Cook. Uh, I know you know Dane, obviously, but yeah, Dane and I had a meeting one time. We were talking about, and he and he said that that was the one regret that he had about the earlier part of his career is not building a okay. camp because when you also too when you build the camp you know those people might carry you through a bomb or or a failure here or there and you pick this guy up i mean sandler is sandler is the king of it sandler, for sure sandler's made 20 careers and brought people back and bailed people out and you know it's like the idea is that when this one you know vince vaughn and those guys favreau vince yep. vaughn those guys, this one, you know, this guy, all of a sudden Favreau hits it with Iron Man, and then Vince Vaughn stars in his movie, and then Vince Vaughn is big, and he brings on Favreau. I mean, the idea is to kind of surround yourself with a group of guys, and it, it, it really it increases your odds. Right, and it's, it's, it's the same idea as oh, a theater company. Amy it's Poehler, a company. Or Tina Fey, I mean, it's the same thing with girls. Look at look at them. Tina Fey, you know. Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Wig, Amy Poehler, they're all, they're all best friends. You know what I mean? We need to start like, shooting more play, shit together. It's going to be like, wait, who are you? It's going to be like, oh, all right, so I'm going to play this person. You're going to play that person. All right, you write this one. I'm going to direct this one. They they just they just sit down and like talk about who wants to do what. You know, I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to you know I'm going to take it easy on this time. I'll just show up for six weeks of shooting. You know, it's right. It's crazy. Write so me right. Write me in as pregnant. I always tell people that's always would be my advice to people. Form a camp. Comment. Form a camp and and do your own do your own shit. You know, people are like, well, how do I get into the business? I'm like, really? You want me to tell you how to get into the business? Go make a movie. You know. And, yeah. And then even ten years ago, you really couldn't. There was a hard. There's a hard cost. There's film, there's editing. Nowadays, you can literally cut the shit on your iPhone. Absolutely. It's crazy. There's no excuse. Ten years ago, it was like, well, you know, how am I going to shoot it? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? Now, there are platforms where you can literally release, you can release something on YouTube, and if it catches the right way, you Absolutely. Know, the networks are banging down your door. So, there really is no excuses. Yo, if we don't sell single mic, we're going to YouTube we're going and we're YouTube. making single mic. 100%. And by the way, even even YouTube is kind of the broader, more broad version, but there's a million different platforms now, especially if you get, you know, you go, you can buy a camera for two grand. Right. You know what I mean? You can borrow my camera. I always say I have a full camera package. People tell me they want to shoot something. I'm like, yo, go show me an insurance slip and you can use my equipment for free. And if you break it, you know, you owe me a new lens. Exactly. You know? So... It's funny, man. It's the it's the fear people have. That's what it is. Everyone, because right. whenever somebody calls you, like Kev, you got any advice? It's like you said, yeah, go shoot something. Right. That, well, that, and advice? that really is my advice. That's not me just blowing you off. That's me telling you what I think is the highest probability of success. Exactly. It just is. And and by the way, go on your auditions. I'm not telling you not to go on your auditions and not to go. You should be in acting class. You should be going on your auditions. Do all those kinds of things. But while you're at it. And you Make and your something. boy are sitting around, you know, smoking weed and like fucking, you know, gambling away money you don't have on your, on football games. You should be out, you know, shooting, shooting a movie because you could put a full movie in the can for a few hundred bucks. And that's like giving, buying people lunch. I always said that. I said it doesn't cost shit to be funny. It doesn't cost shit to write well. Yep. It doesn't cost a dollar to fucking write good jokes. Write it up, put it out, let the people decide if your shit is good. The hardest, the hardest thing about it is you really do, and you know this, and you're Right as we start, or we have, as we're having this conversation, I'm sure you something you go to sleep with every night. You know, you when you make a movie, you put yourself out there, Ugh. and and in a in a big way that most people don't have the skin for. Because the truth of the matter is, most people are gonna not like everything. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I mean, realistically, the way of the world. most people don't like everything. I mean, you look at a movie, you know. 
uh, you know, whatever. The, the, people seem to love The Revenant, but like, okay, let's take The Big Short, for example. Right. Now, this one, you know, the Critics Award, you know, this guy's nominated, the, the movie's making money. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that movie is a home run. Yep. You, 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 I you didn't talk love it. to people and go, eh. You know, right. somebody worked on that for two years and you go, eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. Worked and on it for two okay. years. Fucking right. had nine Blood, panic sweat, attacks. Tears. Their wife hates them. <laughs> Fucking lost weight uncontrollably. Right. Yep. Woke up pale one day. Uh, consumed lethal amounts of caffeine. <laughs> right. Got diverticulitis from that. Yeah, and then and then it all it takes somebody watches it and in ninety five minutes goes yeah. You know, and Isn't it's unfucking believable. It's, it it just it just kind of is it just kind of is what it is, and and I think you know you think you want to get in that, but when that first wave of criticism hits you it's a really uh it's a real lonely Ugh. kind of feeling and especially as a director or a writer or whatever it is you know it's <laughs> it's tough yo you know me you know me so <laughs> the var- variety critic buried me on my man as a loser like it, it seemed right. like it seemed like he just didn't like me as a human so i was literally going for a week i'm like where does this motherfucker live right. no, well, it, it's, hard to not, it's hard not to take it personally. how do you say this like yeah. he was saying shit like right. he's like, like it almost feels angry. personal it almost feels like personal. i've never met him right justin chang i never, <laughs> I never met you bro how the fuck is that his name yeah 100 yep. i put him out i don't care <laughs> no but well that's what i'm saying too and the the flip side is like that's his job but where? But he's like sitting, and and I'm not even. By the way, I'm not even taking a shot at Justin Chang. Whatever, we don't like Justin Chang. But okay, so Justin Chang, <laughs> right, but bye. like Justin Chang is like sitting in his, you know, office cubicle, whatever the fuck it is that he is, and and like he, you know, he he probably has seven movies to watch that day. Right. You know. Just was saying random right, shit. Right, right, right. But like, Stamos how could-, could do this in his sleep? <laughs> yeah, bro. That's why I fucking casted him. I want right. a guy who's the guy. All right. No, no, it's true. It's 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 hard. And then. I mean, by the way, did you see, again, it's, I don't know, this may end up being a good thing, but did you see the reviews for Bad Grandpa? Have you read any of the reviews for Grandpa? No, not one. It's uh, Are they great or horrible? I mean, it can't be that bad. It can't be as bad as these people that are writing it. They seemed personally offended by this movie. Like, you know, it's got Robert, it's Robert De Niro and Zac Efron, who I, I like Zac Efron, yeah. you know? By the way, my mom loved it. She went and saw right, it. She, my right. mom so that, like, by the way, that's, I spit my water up. That's an even better. That's an even. That's actually a better, you know, example or a good look at it. Like your mom isn't sitting around reading the Variety reviews. No, your mom goes to see it. She enjoyed it. That's it. That's that's really what it what it's about. But some of these some of these reviews are just they just seem at times personal when it's not because they don't they don't know each other. You know. Yo, you've probably felt this way too. But like after you make a movie and somebody goes, "How'd you like the movie?" I have a hard time shitting on shitting on any movie. Right. Like I, right. you become, like after you going become a softer, it, you become a softer critic. When totally. You, when, you, when you understand, yeah. I'm like your producer probably told you what mine did. Kill those three or your three of your favorite songs and chop up two of your favorite scenes, and then here's your movie. <laughs> you know, years ago, um, you know, my mom, you know, my family's from Long Island, so I would, I'd land, I'd take like a red eye, get into JFK in the morning, and the first thing I would do, I'd go to the deli, I'd get an egg sandwich, I'd get the New York Post. You know, whatever. So my my mom would like I'd cut off the pl- I'd wake up and the egg sandwich in the post would be on the table. So I'd sit down and I'm flipping through and Entourage was coming. You know, coming back to TV. So I'm flipping through and I get towards the back of the paper and I literally pull the paper and there's a giant hole in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> man, and I'm God like, bless your mom. Man. It's in the entertainment section. Mm, strange and kind of finish the paper, read the sports section, and then I'm like thinking about it. And I go back and I'm like. Mom, what happened to the paper? 
Why is there a giant hole in the paper? She's like, oh, you know, blah, blah. she's got something. My mom, there was a the entourage got trashed in this review, and my mom went and cut. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> said, I'm just going to wipe. By the way, it would have been less suspicious if she threw the whole paper away. <laughs> she probably could She cut the review out of the newspaper. Yeah. But I, I was, you know, also, too, eventually, and I think it's a good thing, and this will happen to you, you eventually get numb to it. Right. Eventually, you start to... F- not find the humor in it, but you start to go. All right. You start laughing. I'm fine. And, and you know, you, you generally start to confide with other people that get buried in the review. Absolutely. So like, I'm whoever else friends. gets thrown under the bus with you, <laughs> you, you go back. It starts with them, and then you become, you know. So I think the sooner you become comfortable, knowing that no, not just you, you just can't. It sounds like a, a cliche, but you just can't please everybody. Exactly. You can't please most people. Like I said, the Big Short. Like really, at the end of the day, what could you really say about the Big Short other than you didn't love it? Right. I, I only didn't love it only because I didn't understand it. I'm like, am I not smart enough to right. understand the financial market? Like, I didn't even, I just, and but you that probably is true because I am a C student. But you couldn't dismiss it. No, I thought I mean, stylistically I, it was yeah, cool as shit. it was shit. cool or whatever. I thought, yeah. I thought uh, uh, what's his name who directed it? Uh, uh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay. I thought yeah. Adam McKay did some really cool shit, broke out of the box. Yeah, they broke the stylistically. wall. They had a bunch of cool actors. You know, Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale are always fun. Carell's a beast in the For movie. sure. And you can see his comedy styles coming through there right. anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I just was like, wow, man, I wish I under... I almost went and bought a book on the mortgage crisis. Right. I almost no, called you do. Dan You're Gilbert. like, what's, what's a CDF? CDF? Somebody tell me what a CDF is. Right. <laughs> CDC, CDF. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> no, uh, no, it is. But it's it's hard It's hard to, to be in the in the line of fire. It, you know, it's easy to be... Easier to be the critic, you know? And, and that's why I think, you know, even when your friends uh, are, are in that spot, you know, I'm not sitting there and saying, they're like, well, like, Whoa, you want me to be a phony? No. No, I'm not. I'm not. No. I'm not suggesting that you be fake or, or suggesting that you're not entitled to your opinions. But, you know, there's a there's a constructive way to sort of approach people for the next time. I mean, look, absolutely. You know, not you know, Martin Scorsese, you know, bringing out the dead got bad reviews. Yep. You know, okay, that didn't stop him from making Gangs of New York and Wolf of Wall Street and whatever. You know, so. It's funny you say that. I listened to Scorsese on an interview recently, and he said after after uh, Mean Streets. And after, even after Raging Bull, he wasn't sure where his career was going. Yeah. No, after he just made like the dopest masterpiece of all time, he's like, I wasn't sure. I was really, I didn't know what was going to happen. Friend of mine, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is the first time I'm ever telling this story. I'm going to try to tell the story without mentioning any names, but let's just say that, that this was on a studio level. Yeah. So it wasn't high like level. an indie. It was, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a, a high level. A friend of mine um, was signed on to do this movie with lots of, lots of big, big stars in it. And he had a movie in the can, and the movie, while he was in pre-production on this new movie, his movie that came out bombed, okay? Yep. So the studio spent the entire next week trying to fire him from the other, the movie that he was getting ready to do. And then he managed to live through the week, Yep. fought him off for a week, and then the next weekend, the movie did something, it held... Like normally, there's a big drop off, and yeah. it held a percentage where it did something positive that, unless you were looking for that, you wouldn't even know. Right. But it analytics. did something. It did some some kind of in the analytics. The movie held a certain amount of percentage and certain amount of you know bracket, whatever it was. I don't even understand it. And he was able to, and they held on to him. And then the movie that he went on to do made a bunch of money, and he was off to the races. But his talent didn't change from Monday to Monday, and in that week. They tried to get rid of him and couldn't, and then he went on to succeed in his movie. So, 
It's, yeah. Is that, by the way, does that make story make any sense? No, it made total sense does, because I mean, there's. Try, I'm just. I mean, I no, I'm just trying to be. No, no. Say names and that kind of shit. Yeah, you know? I know. I know who you're talking about, but it, it it made total sense. But it's also a testament to there's always going to be art versus commerce. So here yeah. a motherfucker pours his heart and soul into something. Right. You know what I mean? Has no control of the ultimate outcome as right. the actor. Here's five dudes in suits sitting around a fucking mathematical equation, right. and they're going drop, drop, drop. Wait a minute. Wait it's a minute. Holding for three hold days. That, yeah. What happened? What happened? The Saturday oh, matinee the, screenings actually held 12 percent from the yeah. By between the way, between 18 and 26, and really was, loved it. And it was something absurd like that. It was something that, you know, but again, that's their, that's their system. You know, it's, uh, the system is the system. It's kind of like on, on TV overnights. It's like, right. what, what do overnights even matter at this point? I record something. I know I got it on DVR. I'm not watching it till I damn well please. That doesn't mean that people are watching it. So I think it's a matter of, you know, this, just the way they do things, trying to evolve the way that they do things because they're caught in this. It's an old school Pilot system. season, and they're breaking out of it a little bit. Networks are breaking out of it a little bit. Right. You know, with HBO, they, they have a full season. But, you know, back in the day, it was you did pilots February, March, April. They yep. picked them up. You started shooting in June. They pre- premiered in September. They had a couple in their back pocket for mid-season replacements or shows that were a total disaster. They picked up two, and then they popped them in when they could. And now they're starting to branch out, and they're doing it all year round. But, you know, they, you know these people that go to college and they work, they work within the in this system. So it yep. just kind of is what it is. It's almost not even their fault. It's right. their job to look at how did it do in the second weekend with females between 18. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's all complicated, but there is a method to the madness, however crazy it may be. Somebody's looking at some weird analytics. Is that the word, analytics? Yeah, analytics. Everybody's do- everyone's doing analytics these days. And it's, <laughs> it's like these fucking YouTube stars. Yeah. Kids got 8 million followers. Yeah, but you're not funny, so I, you're not going to sell me on your 8 million followers. I got to believe you're fucking buying followers. So then I find out that you can actually go on a program and like buy followers, but they say that like you're buying actual real human beings. So like for $50,000, you can get 8 million followers. So now Is you that eight, true? Yeah. Yeah, there's a program you can... By the way, I'm thinking about doing it. No, but I, mean, but, I got eight people following me on Instagram. I got two movies no one's ever heard of. Yeah, I got to fucking there's, do but something. There's, there's, it's about you know what people are... You know, people are getting involved. So somebody pointed this out to me. So if you look at somebody and you're like, wow, that person has a lot of followers. Who could this person be? And then if you look at their favorites or their retweets or whatever, they have none. So it's like if you have 8 million followers and there wasn't 10 people that liked that last tweet, you're either really not funny or you bought your followers. Yeah, something shady going on. (laughs) Well, that's a whole nother racket. Ugh. I mean, it is a racket. Right? It's I mean, a racket. Instagram and Twitter and just followers and likes and. I'm too old. I can't be. Fi- I can't. First but you're all, active. I- you have to be. But I'm you active are. now. But I'm saying I don't have a lot of people following me. I mean, I am active and I'm getting more and more and I'm reaching out and I absolutely I'm embracing social media. But I'm just saying, if my time's not spent writing the fucking movie or like getting right. my totally. doing my work, then I'm wasting my time. Like I, I can dedicate like a half hour a morning to it, and I should because it's sick, the business. The sick, twisted thing is, th- it's actually starting to weigh into the equation of. Well, look, it's not gonna get. You, it's not gonna make you a better actor. No, you know, it's not gonna make you funnier. But unfortunately. You know, when some of these, I don't really know that it's studios, but certainly in the more the independent world, it's something that the powers that be consider. Like, okay, well, we could hire this person or that person, and, you know, they both kind of look the same, I guess, technically, yeah. and they're both average, but this person's got 12 million followers, and this person has 200. It's, so, you know, why not go with the, it just, it just is what it is. I mean, and I hate it, because... 
whatever. I don't have that kind of you know following, but but it, it's it just is what it is. You always want. I always think it's like get the best person for the job, and I mean, look, we're we're going to be able to tell if this is if it works or not with a stand-up guy. Well, yeah, that's we what I'm put saying. we put in that guy, fuck Jerry. Right. You heard of him on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, of course. He's huge. By the way, everybody follows Fuck Jerry. Everybody He's like follows the Fuck Jerry. one person that every, him, yeah. and, him and Fat Jewish, everybody follows them. Yo, Fat Jewish was calling me in New York trying to get in the movie, but right. I couldn't get his, like, the guy, I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. He's like, I'll be driving around with a kangaroo and a Ferrari if you need me. I'm like, dude, I, if you want to be in the movie, I got to physically meet you, and right. then I can figure out what to write for you. Right. But, <laughs> but the, I but couldn't the truth lock him is, down. if Fuck Jerry you know, throws on his site on February 8th or February 9th or whenever the movie opens. Yeah. Check me out in the stand-up guy to see what I really look like. Yeah, yeah. You I know, know that what may be worth like. the price of admission right there. Totally. You know what I mean? And people may go, okay, you know, that, that may do, I mean, I, I think the jury's still out on how those numbers translate. Absolutely. To VOD and iTunes and that kind of stuff, but it's certainly uh, worth a discussion. I mean, this is actually a great experiment because Fuck Jerry's the biggest. He's the biggest. And depending on whether or not he throws out a couple shout outs, which I'm assuming Yeah. Yeah. He's he's already thrown a few out. Oh he has. They're getting huge. No, he's gotta We're do like momentum. The February 9th or the February Mass. He, he, people need to be able to look at that and then click on it. He So he should hold off till you can look at that on your iPhone and then click on stand up guy. That's a great idea. I'll tell fuck Jerry that. He he put Saget on. So I had right. I shot Saget do a video. I saw that. He, you know, he went to, he did the fuck Jerry thing. Nobody knows what fuck Jerry looks like. Yeah, like the fat Jewish is all over his own Instagram. You see him, he's yeah, kind of he's a personality fat himself. and Jewish. Yeah. Fuck Jerry, he's the most unassuming, and he's funny motherfucker. I mean, I don't know yeah. what his personality's like, but his his site is, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? you know, he is pretty funny. By the way, yeah. he did he, he did a fine job in the movie. He was right. fine, but I, you know, I never really heard of him, and Danny's like... Trust me when I tell you, you got to talk to this guy. He's my boy. Fuck Jerry. Yeah, him and Danny are buddies. Totally. Him and Danny are buddies. Yeah, we were, we were going to try to pitch a reality show with, uh, with, with, fuck, with, Jerry. with fuck Jerry. Yeah, like a bank, is it going to be like Banksy where you never know what he looks like? No, we, just... we, we, we had an idea to do a reality show with, with Fuck Jerry and the Fat Jewish where they both started from scratch with zero followers under new names to see who could generate a bigger following and it's not a bad idea like, yeah they both said uh, no said no, yeah. no they're like ah oh, no thanks <laughs> Kev like, Ajax Thank is sending me two million a week <laughs> yeah, right. uh, to post on right. their shit they're like we don't want to work together they're like De Niro and Pacino they couldn't get them <laughs> together until the heat <laughs> yo I, it's funny man because social media and people are so like ADD'd out right now I feel like you can kind of see that in movies I feel like you can start to see Movies that don't have like the rhythm, like the old school, like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance. Can you watch old classics? It's like a slow pace. Well, they take rhythm. their time. They take Here, their time. It's like if you don't hook them in Quick. the first, you know, twelve minutes, you run the risk of losing them. Unless it's, you know, again, like you look at some of these other movies. I mean, you know, The Revenant was, you know, that's like a movie movie. You know, that's that like is a fucking that's movie. you know, you have to buckle in and just know you're gonna go along for the ride and eventually. It'll hit on all on all cylinders, but you know if if you know I don't know that my twelve year old niece is gonna you know be game the entire time without having to look at her phone or whatever. It's hard. Yeah, to yeah, kid, yeah. You know, it's different for the younger people. Nor should way, she probably like the younger. These kids today, <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, it's uh, yeah, it's true though. I let my nephews watch The Revenant because I had the screener. I let I them think watch it's okay. it. Okay, I mean, for it's them, a they're thirteen violent. and fifteen. Right, right, right. that's okay. But twelve year old girl might have a hard time with that. Right. You never know. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, even you, you look at a lot of what were some of the other... There's some great movies today. You know what I mean? Like, all right, Steve Jobs, you know? It's important. If yeah. You, like, if you're obsessed with your iPhone... I like Joy. 
Yeah. Did you see Joy? I did. Did you see Room? I'm like the only grown man that keeps saying he likes Joy. Did you see Room? I didn't see you it. You gotta yet. see Room. I got yeah. Room's great. But I hear Room it's too. Great. Room's like a few locations. They probably made that movie for eight hundred grand. And you know, and they're killing she's, it. She's gonna, she's gonna walk away with the Oscar. I heard she's gonna was... be doing that. She's gonna be high stepping into the end zone with that Oscar. Man, Brie Larson. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna be doing the Deion Sanders pointing back at the competition as she struts into the end zone. I need to go to an By Oscar. Way, who party. do you like? Who do you like for the Super Bowl? You like the Super Bowl? I do like changing gears. I'm going. Yo, I'm going with Cam. I'm sticking with Cam. I loved him in the beginning of the season. I love his style. I like their team. I know you're probably going with Denver. Denver. No, I would like to see. I would like to see Denver win. I just don't see anybody beating Carolina Panthers this year. They're just you know. Is this? Yeah, this seems like this guy's year. Like a men playing with boys. He really is. He's so far ahead of everybody else. He's so much better than everybody else. Yeah, you see dudes try to tackle him. I have a feeling it's gonna be. It might be one of those Super Bowls that you're not watching in the second half. I hope I'm wrong. By the way, I'd love what. What would be a better story than watching Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning sail off into the sunset it'd be, with a Super Bowl trophy, and that's it. End of his career. It'd be biblical. You know, it's the end of a. It's the end of an era. We got Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning, Derek Jeter, older all, dudes yep. still playing. Yeah, not anymore. Giving all us all hope. One at a time. They're all going down. They're Yo, going down. within two years, they'll be in our men's league. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be in your men's league. Who are you kidding? You'll be they'll be playing fucking <laughs> roller hockey. By the way, what, what leagues are you in right now, Mike? What do you got going on? I'm going back into hockey. Ice hockey. Going ice back hockey. Into ice hockey. Yeah, bought all my new equipment. Still, 45. What's a new set of equipment, hockey equipment cost? Top shit. of the line. Did you get new stuff or did you I'm go up play three, it again? I'm up, I didn't buy new skates. By the way, fucking skates are $900. Plus, skates, skates, you got to work it anyway. If you got a good pair of skates that work, you love my sure. skates. I just got the new pants, shoulder pads, elbow pads, stick, shin pads. What is a new cup. set of hockey equipment run? I'm up four, I'm in for 470. Four, but like four so 500 70. top of the line equipment. 500 top of the line. Everything. By the bag. way, by the way, I bought a few things top of the line at played against sports, but I also bought some used shit that's, well, that's amazing because it's it already up. a little broken. You in. can mix it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, not a lot of people know this. Kevin Connolly, solid roller hockey player. <laughs> Those are other stories. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we'll we, save we that play, for we'll save that for another episode. We will. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we, had, we no, we had a few. We had a few good sports stories. At some at one point, we were playing basically. All the sports. Every We're playing sport, a full season. Every sport. <laughs> By the way, Kevin is a three-sport athlete and a three, and he's been thrown off of three teams in all three sports. I've been suspended in every major sport. <laughs> Yo, can we just tell before we can we just tell the one the my favorite is it was roller hockey because you know you got you actually got me into roller yeah. hockey. Well, I roller became fun because roller hockey's dirty. Roll, roller hockey. I mean, ice hockey is a little snobby. It is. Let's face it. You know, you can't. You know, you, you, people that play roller hockey in, yeah. in the valley are, totally. are a little rough around the edges. We were a band of misfits <laughs> yeah. put together by yeah, me and fun. you, a few of your boys from back in the day. We had like four ecstasy dealers. <laughs> we had two fucking, we had two club doormen, and we had one fucking giant 6'5 meathead. I'd have to get, have the police escort me to my car. <laughs> Conley had two police escorts. One day we look up, there's fucking Chuck and Lucas are fucking at our game just in case shit goes down because oh, there was man. a fight the week before. But also, too, now. Now, forget it. Again, I'm, I keep referring to this. But nowadays, <laughs> that would never happen. In those days, we would play. And this isn't like in you know in the late 90s, early 2000s. You'd get in a fight. You'd get thrown out. The cops would come. And then you were back next Tuesday. Absolutely. You, know, you wouldn't even get suspended. I've been now, you'd be thrown out, now you'd be thrown out of the league in Tuesday. Right. There'd be a judge. There's a whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you can old. never come back. 
I've had mo- I've had multiple bench clearing brawls, but I just a testament to Conley's character. This is how fucking funny he is. Well, it's like the first or second game. We got a big meathead defenseman, but the guy's got a fucking slap shot, 200 mile an hour slap shot. He's a beast, <laughs> but he's kind of a meathead. But he's I can kind of I'm I'm the captain of the team. I can kind of tame the meatheads. And he says to Connolly, he goes, uh, "Listen, bro, uh, when you're in front of the net, I just I, I just kind of stay out of the front of the net, bro. I got a kind of a crazy slap shot. If it hits you, you're gonna go down." Connolly just without even missing a beat. Worry about your fucking self, bro. I've been playing this game for just 19 years. Just put it on years. net, bro. Put it on net, bro. Keep it low. Not four shots later, homeboy takes a slap shot, fucking rises up and hits Connolly in the dead in the middle of his spine. Oh, and all you heard, it just went through all your pads. I yeah. just heard, I just heard oh. like, like, like right to the skin. It was like that plastic puck too, that like hard plastic puck. And I just, and I just heard the wind go out of your body. <laughs> it knocked the wind out. Yeah, of you. and you didn't go down. Conley doesn't go down. He was like this. He's just like. Eh. like By the way, eh. that was and that was again. That was all pre. Those are all pre entourage stuff. It just got more complicated for me when entourage came around. It, I mean, I'm not. I could not. Play. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying it in a bad way, but I just got away with things that I would never get away with. Yeah, that, yo, that was pre entourage, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, that was unhappily ever after. Ron Levitt, I'd come in, come into work on Unhappily Ever After with a four stitches in my mouth. And on Thursday, we tape on Friday. He'd go, what happened? I'm like, Ron, it was a playoff game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Going back He'd to your like, one All right. bedroom. All right, it was a playoff game. Well, you should have told me that. I would have, uh, I would have held up productively. He was the best, man. I'm, I'm glad we got to give uh, Ron Levitt some props today. Hell uh, yeah, that's yeah. a legend of the game. Yeah, he sure was, man. And you taught. It's funny because I, you said the the book. Uh, you're lucky. You're, you're funny. You're lucky. You're funny. There's yeah. another one called Difficult Men. Did Difficult you read that? Men. Yeah, that that's a darker. It's a darker version. Darker version, but it's about like leading men and like the you know, showrunner Gandolfini. It's the it's, it's the, the show. Runners of you know, the darker the guys narratives. that like yeah like you know Gandolfini how you needed Gandalf you know the, the Sopranos there's nothing without Gandolfini absolutely but you know Gandolfini was nothing without David you know, Chase David Chase you know yeah. so it's like they get to this place where they kind of have to learn to live to with just each other live with each other and accept each other and they talk about Gandolfini and they talk about you know Breaking Bad and they just talk about the the relationship between the showrunner and you know and the, by the uh, way the real good chapter of that book would have been Doug Allen and Jeremy Piven. <laughs> You know what? The book came men's. out. Yeah, <laughs> yo, yo, the book came out too early. It came, it came out, out like a year too yeah, early. Otherwise, that would, Doug, been, that would have been a great chapter. You know, those, those, by the way, those are some good stories. Yo, God Doug bless Ellen, Doug, Jeremy man. Pivot. Yeah. By the way, how, how has Doug not been beat up? Been. <laughs> <laughs> I I told Doug, I said, I've never met anybody who's been able to skate through life and say so many things to so many people, yeah. and nobody punches you in the yeah. face ever. Doug, I say four things. I've had my fucking nose broken. Doug's the only guy chipped. that I can get away with threatening to kill the contractor. Literally. <laughs> you if that fucking tub isn't in there by Friday at 5 o'clock, I'm going to fucking kill you, you piece of shit. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Um, but how is Doug? You got to get Doug in here, because Doug's a great interview. He's a great interview. Yo, absolutely. I'll have Doug, Doug will be in here. Doug lets it all hang out too. You ask Doug the questions, you'll you'll get you'll get good answers. I always by the way, I always love to do an interview with Doug. Like I like to chime in on a I like Doug to answer the hard questions. You like to be his subtitles? I like subtitles? to provide color in Doug's in Doug's interviews. You so, guys would make a good one two punch. Yeah, we've done it. So if Doug comes in and he doesn't feel like he can carry a full hour, which I wonder if he can, uh he'll I'll be texting. In. He'll be texting eight minutes right, in. Right. He'll get a call at some point and have to step out. So I'll come in and uh, run a little interference for Doug. I will definitely have Doug back. Glasses, uh, put my glasses back on. Yeah. Yo, when Conley wants to when Conley, when Conley <laughs> wants to leave, he doesn't even wrap it up. He just starts putting random p- pieces of clothing up. Uh, yo, Kev, it was a good you're time. my boy, man. I had a good time. I man. appreciate you coming. That in. was quick. How, how long we do? We, we did, did an hour. We did an hour. 
I mean, you obviously I I could I'll talk forever, but <laughs> right. you got your I glasses. Think, well, I don't I want you to be. Si- in, I don't want you to be in traffic. I think sixty's a good good. Sixty's a great number. If they keep cereal under an hour, you got to keep this under an hour. One hundred percent. Yo, thanks, bro. My pleasure. All right, and uh, anytime this- you want me in in the group setting. I'll come in once in a while. Yo, we br- I want to bring our workout crew I, I, in I here. Think, I think I think that's a great... <laughs> I want to bring normal other fun. human beings yeah. that aren't even in the yeah, business no, or get, different we businesses. Should get a good, we should get a good group together. Maybe we'll get Ferrara and Doug in here. That'd be, that'd be a fun one to do, all three of us. Too. For sure. Uh, right, yo, Mike Young, stories that need to be told. My first guest, Kevin Connolly. Thanks for listening in. Peace out. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about...